Hello, and welcome to ADHD Essentials, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm a former teacher and mental health clinician turned ADHD coach, trainer, and consultant. I can be reached at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. Here at ADHD Essentials, we help families develop the skills and knowledge needed to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? Have you checked out my video on Jessica McCabe's YouTube channel, How to ADHD? If you haven't, I highly recommend it. Jessica and her team did a phenomenal job with my Wall of Awful model, and I'm deeply honored by it. And while you're there, check out all the other excellent videos she has on her channel. Once again, it's called How to ADHD, and it's on YouTube. The link will be in the show notes. If you haven't joined the ADHD Essentials Facebook community yet, we'd love to have you. It's a group where you can find support and resources for parenting your child with ADHD or managing your own challenges. Go to facebook.com groups slash ADHD Essentials community to sign up. And don't forget that five-star rating and review you've been meaning to give me on iTunes. Now's a great time to close that loop. Or, if you'd rather, just tell people in the real world about this show. Shout it from the rooftops. Wander around your streets of your town telling people about it. Get a t-shirt made. Whatever strikes your fancy. I really appreciate the support. This is episode 66. Today, we're talking to David Greenwood. David is the author of Overcoming Distractions and a father with ADHD who has a son with autism. In today's episode, David tells his tale of finding his way with ADHD. We also talk about the value of experiential learning, the challenge of balancing the demands of a career, a child with special needs, and aging parents, ikigai, and guarding our time. All right, let's get rolling. I am Dave Greenwood. I'm the author of the book, Overcoming Distractions. And the book came out about two years ago. And I took a little different approach to ADHD as I profiled successful entrepreneurs that had ADHD. Um, And the book is kind of two-part. It it talks about how they built successful businesses, uh, but also how they grew up, uh, how they work through their challenges and what they do today to make sure that uh, they can manage their ADHD as a, as a busy, successful adult. We certainly have busy, successful adults who are parents w- with ADHD listening. And, and you're a parent with ADHD. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll just go out and say I, I described myself as a train wreck when I was a kid. <laughs> You know, there's, there's really no other way to put it. Um, and it's, it's funny when I, and I never really talked about it. Um, and, and it's funny, you know, when I, when I finally pushed the send button on the book to the publisher, um, you know, you finally realize, oh my God, what did I just do? <laughs> I just, I've never really talked about this. I've never talked about growing up. I've never talked about, you know, I hang out with successful people who all went to college and they talk about their college. And, you know, I, I barely got three years in before I decided, all right, finally, I'm just not going to do this anymore. So, so I've always, I wouldn't say hit it, but just never really talked about my, my challenges as a, as a kid and then growing up. 
there's the stigma that comes with ADHD and stigma that comes with the challenges that it creates. So I can totally understand wanting to skim over the fact that you didn't finish college when you're talking with people who did. And you've done all kinds of amazing stuff. You've written a book, clearly. Um, and you've worked with the Special Olympics as their PR person and done some pretty significant things. So it's not the case that having ADHD or not finishing college means that you're a failure. It just means you took a different road. That's what I found, you know, in my couple of years kind of getting into this ADHD community, talking to a lot of successful people, is that I, I'm clearly not alone. You know, I, I went to I went to a vocational school and, and I and I did realize that as a kid. I was aware enough to realize that I think if I went to the traditional high school, I might have crashed and burned a lot earlier. I, I needed to go somewhere where I could kind of use my brain and, and develop a skill. Uh, and that's what I did. And I became a certified welder. Uh, <laughs> I, had, I had two jobs in the industry and I was out of the industry within 12 months. I absolutely hated it. And I spent three years learning how to weld, whether it was car frames or all sorts of things. And, and I hated it. Yeah. But what I did is I had scooped ice cream as a kid um, at, at Brigham's. So if anybody's in New England who's listening to this, you'll recognize the name Brigham's. It's completely the best ice cream on the face of the planet. It, it really is. If, if you haven't had Brigham's ice cream, you have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> I mean, so, but I, so that's, so I went back to Brigham's after, you know, crawling my way out of the welding industry. I became a manager and then to make a long story short, I, I ended up buying a store, but I bought a, a, a franchise uh, just outside of Boston that was run by an older gentleman. Um, and Brigham's, I'll say this now because they're pretty much out of business with the exception of the ice cream business, is that they weren't very good at marketing. I, I was out on my own um, when it came to marketing and building that, that store back up. So I learned how to do PR. For some reason, it just kicked in. I, I, I knew how to do it. For example, my store was in Wellesley, Massachusetts. So I was not only surrounded by the uh, wealthiest communities in the state, I was also surrounded by five colleges. So in terms of PR, I would work with Keith Lockhart of the Boston Pops, and we would put together conducting lessons for children. Wow. Um, and that would attract kind of the wealthy people, so to speak. On the other times, I would work with the Hard Rock Station in Boston, and they would do live broadcasts and they would raise money for the, the food banks. So I was reaching a number of audiences. That's how I kind of figured out how to do PR. And then I ended up selling the place because I couldn't get help. And I ended up at Special Olympics and had a long career at Special Olympics, just doing public relations. I would have never learned that stuff in college. I, I, you know, and that's why I'm, I'm comfortable with that because... I think you can go to college for certain things and, and let's take PR, for example, you can learn how to write, you can learn how to learn proper grammar, you can learn journalism. But for me, it was building relationships with reporters and TV producers and editors and all kinds of things. And you, you can't learn that in a classroom. You've got to, you, that's street smart stuff. It's hands-on stuff. It's hands-on learning. That's where we ADHD folks often shine is kind of throw us into the middle of something and give us a problem to solve 
and we'll figure it out regardless of age, right? If it, you can be a kid, you can be an adult. We typically will figure out a way to solve that problem. It might not be the best way to solve that problem, but we'll figure it out. And that's what you've been doing. I mean, you just shared a story where you went from a welder to a ice cream shop manager, then owner to PR to PR for Special Olympics. And now you're an author. The road for anybody now with the new economy isn't straight in terms of careers. And the road for we ADHD folks isn't straight anyway. But in some ways with the new economy, we're better equipped to navigate what's going on. And, and the kids coming up are going to be even more effectively equi equipped provided we help them manage their ADHD. Yeah, and I would completely agree with that. I think there's one thing if I went back and analyzed me, for example, is that I always took a piece of a prior career and went out and did something with that. You take the ice cream shop and building massive amounts of press and other kinds of marketing. When that didn't serve me well, I used those skills to go to Special Olympics. They knew full well I didn't have a college degree and I never went to school for PR, but they took a chance on me. And we got more press coverage in my first year than they ever did in their decades of, of existence. When that didn't serve me well, uh, because things were changing, and I still love Special Olympics. I mean, I, I still have a great relationship with them. Um, you know, I went out and opened my own PR firm when somebody invented social media and screwed up the entire PR industry. I got into writing. You know, you do a lot of writing and a lot of content creation when you're in public relations. So I've I've tried to adapt, and but my point is I've I've taken a slice of a career and took that part and went on to the next thing. Uh, there's actually a term for that, and I can't remember yeah, what it is. skill stacking. That's what you're doing, right? You're skill stacking. You're Instead of looking at it solely as I'm this, now I'm that, now I'm this other thing, you've been approaching it as I have these skills, and where are these skills useful? Yeah, and, and if I had to, and I probably was not even aware of it, I think this goes back to and you've probably talked about this numerous times, whether it's with clients or on the podcast, is strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. You have to, for a number of reasons, somebody with ADHD, I don't care if it's a kid or an adult, you, you, you have to put your time into what you're good at and what you enjoy. That's what you're going to thrive at. And I think that's what I've done, whether it's consciously or subconsciously. Full confession, I, I'm miserable <laughs> if I'm doing something I don't like. Yeah, I, I realize... I realize we have to pay our bills every month and things like that. But, you know, there's parts of my business that, that I haven't liked either. And I think you see that in a lot. You see salespeople uh, who, you know, a lot of people with ADHD may be going to sales. They're great communicators. They can go out there, rainmakers for the company. But they get back, they can't fill out the paperwork because <laughs> right. they hate it. <laughs> there's kind of a lot in there that I want to play with, right? One is kind of where you left off. When we move into a new career, when we're heading into a, the workforce, if we're, if we're sort of kids coming out of high school or coming out of college, the career you're aiming at, you have to know what sucks about it because something sucks about it, regardless of what that career is. I mean, I mostly do what I want as a profession, but there are elements of this that suck. I struggle with the emails. I hate editing this podcast. Mm. It's so time consuming and it's so much work. That's why I've got a guy doing it now. 
and I'm mostly doing what I want to do, but I still have to navigate elements of this career that are hard because there's no scenario where you're going to have a career that is only what you want and only good. And then in terms of strengths and weaknesses, one of the areas that I see parents struggle with and an area that they can trip and fall down in sometimes with their kids is an over-focus on weaknesses and missing the strengths. Sort of taking the kid's strengths for granted. Oh yeah, my kid's a great artist, who cares? He's failing math or he's getting a C minus in math. And I say to those parents, I'm like, if they're failing math, okay, that's one thing. But if it's a C minus, how much do we care? Right? Mm -hmm. Like, let's shore the weaknesses up just enough so that they're not going to hurt us. And then take the energy that we might have wasted on the weakness and focus it on our strengths because that's where we're going to get all the benefit anyway. So if a C minus is good enough, and depending on what college you want, it may or may not be, then let's let it be a C minus and let's become amazing at graphic design or amazing at illustration. If we need to get a C plus or a B minus, okay, put in some effort, get that grade up, but let's go back over to that artistic talent and focus on that. Yeah, I, I interviewed um, Rick Green of uh, Totally ADD, mm-hmm. uh, but he said that his parents had the, the, the full basement of the house with art supplies and all sorts of other things, and, and that was his that was his domain and he would come home after school and they wouldn't bother him and they'd let him do his thing to the parents credit. They, they realized that he had a creative side and, and they let it be, they let him do his thing. And if anybody's ever seen him or again, know who we're talking about, uh, they know that he's been wildly successful, not just in the ADHD community, but in television, public television and comedy and, they let him thrive based on what he was good at. They recognize that. So as a dad with ADHD, we kind of talked about business stuff a little bit and professional, the professional side, but how's it playing out as a dad? What does that look like? You know, I'm, I'm going to be 53 this year. So I, I, have, I have acquired, I guess, skills over the years uh, as an adult. Um, but I got off to a late start. I mean, I, I have a 13-year-old. Um, so... Uh, I, I see my friends on Facebook and their grandparents. <laughs> that kind of scares me, you know, but I have a 13 year old. We get off to a late start. Um, but uh, I, I think one of, one of our challenges here is that, you know, our son is on the autism spectrum and I'm self-employed. So I need to have things buttoned up here. And, I, and I've realized that over the years is, is I need to make sure that he's getting his homework done or he's getting off the computer when we say, or he's not doing this, that, or the other. And he's a high functioning person with autism. He's got a creative side. So I I let that go a little bit, but for me running a business, I've got to, I've got to be very strict about how I structure my week, for example. Um, So I've got, I've got days of the week where I don't schedule meetings. I don't schedule anything. Uh, you know, I do a lot of writing and other content creation for other companies. That's, you know, what keeps the lights on here at the moment. So for example, I, there's a couple of days a week where he has after school programs. So he gets on the bus early. He comes on the light bus. I can get a solid eight hours in. And then like many of us, you know, we're done with humans after eight hours. So he goes in, in his room for an hour and locks the door. So I can get a good solid eight or nine hours. But my point is that <laughs> I take, <laughs> it's like I'm done with human beings, but I take those days to get a full head of steam. 
you know, whether it's writing or other things, I try not to book anything on those days. If I've got other days that are shorter or I've got, say, a networking meeting, then what I do is I try and build a theme around that day. I belong to a, a business group where I, I meet uh, probably 35 minutes from the house. It's early in the morning. It's 7 a.m. It goes to like 9 a.m. I try and book things after that. Or if I don't, I come back to the office. I do other kind of marketing things for me or other smaller tasks that don't require me to kind of get in the zone. My point is that I have a theme for the day and that, that works best for me. I cannot go out and have a couple of client meetings, come back here at two o'clock and then decide I'm going to write for a few hours. It, it, my brain just doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. But if I make sure I set the tone for the day, then I can get a lot of work done. Sometimes when Junior comes home, uh, work does cease to exist. <laughs> you know, it's like, Dad, Dad, I want to show you this. I want to show you that. And so I've, I've learned to, as a general theme, preserve my time as best I can. Yeah, and it sounds like you're walling off time to do deep work. That's stuff that really requires some extended focus. You're just scheduling that in as an entire day, knowing that you need the full eight hours. I do well with that. I wrote my book in seven weeks. I not only wrote it, but I interviewed 26 or 27 people and spent an hour or so on a video chat. So I got in the zone. I cleared the decks. It was also, a, quite frankly, a miscommunication with the publisher and I had to do it in seven weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was under the gun, but I worked well in that, in that scenario. Uh, the second book, which I'm trying to do is taking me well over a year for other reasons, but in that case, if parents are listening out there and, and they said, oh, my kid is hyper-focused on this, in my opinion, I'm no clinician, but it's a good thing if they can do it on the things that matter. Being able to apply that deep focus and that hyper-focus is really key. Maybe video games are less exciting for that, but if your kid is in a reading or there's kids out there, you put them in front of like an electronic device that's been taken apart, right? And they'll rewire the thing and rebuild it and all that kind of stuff. And that's huge. That's enormous for that deep focus. My guys, my guys will deep focus on stories. And sometimes it's a conversation where they're like, they're breaking down Avengers Endgame and what's probably going to happen based on the previous movies to a level that I couldn't do when I was 10. I started figuring that out in high school and college. And admittedly, part of why they can do it is because I'm their dad. And I also like to do this breakdown stuff. So they've seen me model those ideas and that thought process. But they'll go really deep and really fast. My, my son, uh, he loves the Lego movie like most yeah. kids. But one thing he did back several months ago is if, if you know the Lego movie, you know the character Metalbeard, he had that kit and he built it. And then I think other kids came over the house and the thing got completely ripped apart. We lost the directions. He spent three or four days recreating that to a T with no directions, wow. just sifting through, sifting through, and I'm talking Rubbermaid containers of Legos, sifting through until he finished building that thing with no directions. And probably what I would say are tens of thousands of Lego pieces in our basement, but he did it. And, and he, was, he was intent on making sure that he built that. I, I was blown away. You mentioned that the, the second book is taking a little bit longer. Is it a lack of accountability that's causing that? Because you don't have that seven-week time frame? 
You know, I think that's part of it. I'll share with you a little inside publishing world. Is the first book went through a traditional publisher. And as I mentioned, I, I had seven weeks to write it. The, the, first, the first time they gave me the book deal, they gave me two weeks to write it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I'm, and I, I'm sitting there, I'm like, how do I answer this email? <laughs> so <laughs> even seven weeks. Uh, but no, I wrote it. I wrote it in seven weeks. Yeah, well, that was part of it. It was accountability. I need to get this done. And, and it's paid off because every time I walk into Barnes and Noble, I see the book and it's, it's great, but I got it done. So what a publisher will do sometimes is they will essentially give you first right of refusal on the, on the second book or third book. It could be more. And that's what they did. But the time expired uh, for, for various reasons. And while it was fantastic to see my book in Barnes and Noble and other, you know, what have you, I decided that probably wasn't the route I wanted to go. So my point being, I had no hard deadline for the second one. That and some family issues that you and I have discussed offline uh, that, that I had to, to deal with over 2018, I decided that it was best probably just to lay it down for a little bit. I, I have, though, made a commitment to make sure that's done by, by summer this year. So, you know, you, you talk about hyper-focus, and I think this is probably a form of it or being in the zone. You know, you do a project, regardless, it could be Legos, it could be writing a book, it could be anything. And if you don't touch it for a while, you forget what you've done. You forget how much progress you've made. So I've had to periodically go on the computer, go on the file and say, you know what? I've actually already written 40,000 plus words. I've got a number of chapters done. If I just like shut the door and got rid of everybody for like a week, this book will probably be done. And, and that's what I've done recently is, is gone back and, and looked at, you know what, this thing's more done than I thought it was. So that's my commitment this, because it's a shame to, to waste all that hard work. And, and, and I'm really realizing that at the moment. You know, I, I say that, but also, you've also as an adult, um, have to place your energy and time where you're needed. And my family needed me at the time. My father had, a, had an accident, and I'm not blaming him. So if you ever listens to this, I want to make it perfectly clear that it's not his fault. I just had so much bandwidth, and I needed to take care of that. You're kind of in the sandwich zone, right, in that scenario? Because you've got a kid on the autism spectrum, so he's got special needs. And then your dad has a fall, and you have to help take care of him as well. And so you're really split pretty significantly. And I'm, I'm assuming your wife as well. And on top of that, you're navigating your own ADHD and the reduced bandwidth that you have because of that. I imagine that was a stressful time. And you probably had sort of flashes of lots of productivity and then weeks of not really much because you're burned out. All you can do is survive. Yeah. You're not physically tired. You're, you're mentally tired. I'm good at writing. When I get in the zone, I mean, I can write thousands of words a day. It's, it's what I do. But when you just can't think, you know, you, you get to four or five o'clock in the afternoon or you're like, oh, I think I'll, think I'll sit on my computer at seven o'clock at night after dinner. I'm, I'm done. There's, there's no amount of dopamine or chocolate or coffee or anything that is, is going to get me in the zone again. So that's what happened. Uh, you know, the book is about 
managing your career when you have ADHD. And it's a shame not to finish that and get it out because as we've discussed, a lot of people do struggle with that. I want to get that message out. And, and once that's done, let me know and we'll bring you back on. We'll do a whole episode just on that. Yeah. I've talked to some interesting people. I took a different approach. I mean, I, I got, I got your basics in there, how to use LinkedIn, how to write your resume, how to do the interview. But you know, I talk about other concepts, uh, such as what we talked about in the beginning, strengths and weaknesses. I spend a lot of time on that. Uh, I spend a time on really trying to figure out who you are and a concept called the Ikigai. It's a Japanese concept of trying to figure out why you're here, why you're kind of put on this earth. People in certain areas of Japan live to be like 120 years old, and they all focus on this concept of the Ikigai. They know why they're here. They know why they're on this earth. They have a firm grasp on who they are as a human being. Uh, and I wanted to make sure I incorporated that because I thought it was a valuable discussion. And Ikigai is one word, right? I-K-I-G-A-I. It's pronounced Ikigai, Ikigai. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh-huh. I think, I think uh, actually there is no translation into English from the Japanese word. But it's a, there's a couple books out there now from people and uh, it, it's just an interesting concept. If you want to geek out into kind of figuring out why you're here on this planet. It sounds like it sort of is this straddling the line almost between spirituality and productivity, which is a weird line to be straddling, but also one that would be pretty cool. You know, one of the things I think people with ADHD have to deal with is decision fatigue. And that's everything from what am I going to wear today to what kind of job am I going to do? You know, and I think adults deal with that as well. I'm a perfect example. I had actually found something I loved, which was public relations. I love dealing with the media. I love seeing a TV camera show up to whether it was Special Olympics or afterwards to a client. I, I love the return on investment, if you will, on that. The client loved it because they were on TV and they were a big hero. You know, oh, I'm on TV, you know? I mean, everything just blended. And then, like I said, social media came around and, and fundamentally changed my industry. And I didn't quite like it anymore. So... I was left on a path to have to kind of figure out where I go from here. But I think a lot of people struggle with that. It's not just the public relations industry. As you mentioned, we're in an economy where things change at the speed of light. Yeah. You may decide you don't like your, your job tomorrow. So in terms of writing the book, right, you said that you're sort of targeting the summer to have it done. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll, I'll jump in on the accountability train with you because my plan is to write the ADHD essentials book on the wall of awful over the summer. So the wall of awful book is at least getting started and very, 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 very significantly done mm-hmm. um, this summer. I don't, I'm not going to guarantee I'll finish a book in seven weeks cause I'm not some kind of superhero. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not but, either. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but that's the plan is to get it done. We might have to go find a coffee shop and hang out and write together. No, and I think uh, that's, that's, that's a good idea is that, uh, and again, I, I, you know, people ask me, you know, there's, there's no way you wrote a book in seven weeks. I'm like, well, yeah, I did. Other authors that I've talked to, I'm like, yeah, I did. And it's just, it's just you've got to, you just got to shut out the earth. It, it could be one day a week. You could say, you know what, Mondays I'm going to write. Don't bother me. Leave me alone. The door is locked. Uh, you get up to eat and use the bathroom but other than that you just you stay focused and i think 
people be surprised how much they can actually get done. So in terms of, of having ADHD, what kinds of reoccurring struggles are you facing as a dad, as an entrepreneur, in whatever direction you're comfortable going? I think one of the biggest things is, uh, is just getting started on things sometimes. You know, I do, a, I do a couple things here to keep the lights on and bring in the money. But, you know, my PR firm has turned more into content. And that does involve a couple of things. It involves doing a lot of writing for companies that don't have the time to write. We've done some video production for companies that have, uh, you know, that need video for like their social media accounts. Believe it or not, I'm working on podcasts now for, for companies that have finally realized the value uh, of podcasts. Because of my podcast, people have said, hey, can you do mine? And I'll pay you. And I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> but you've got to, you know, you put the kid on the bus, you get to your office, you got to have a plan for getting started. What am I going to do today? And I, and I think that is probably one of my biggest challenges is because maybe editing a video for a company's social media account isn't necessarily the same skill set as writing for them, you know, whether it's writing their website content or writing blogs for their company blog. It's a different skill set and it's a different mindset. And you have to kind of decide what you're in the mood for that day, <laughs> you know, when you sit down at your computer. Those are the things that I, I struggle with. Timothy Pischel, who wrote the, uh, the book, The Procrastination Puzzle, some people might not like it, but, and it's a little more complicated than this, but he says, you know, one of the keys to just getting rid of procrastination is to just get started. And I've, I've taken that with me. I mean, it might take me a while. Maybe I need an extra cup of coffee. But when I finally, you know, get on the gloves and I'm like Rocky, I'm like, all right, this is it. You know, <laughs> this is what I'm doing today. And I got to tell you, within, within 15, 20 minutes, you start to get in the zone. It's just that like jumping off point. Yeah. And I think there's another element of, and this is true for adults and for kids. I think there's another element of that 15 to 20 minutes feels like you haven't started because we often think we should well i i started so i should be going full bore right now i should go zero to 60 in 30 seconds hmm. and we struggle with the fact that sometimes we go zero to 60 in 20 minutes even though we have a ferrari engine with bicycle brakes mm -hmm. takes us a while to get revved up yeah and if i get a new client i'm i'm writing about something that I might have no experience in. So I got to get out and research that. Some days I think that's fun because it's like, oh, cool. I'm learning about a new industry. I had to write a bunch of stuff for a law firm back several months ago. I didn't have a clue what I was writing about, but I got the chance to go and learn about something and, and it turned out great. But there's days where there, there's days that I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm going to stop now. <laughs> and there's other days where, oh, this is cool. I get to learn something. You know, the ADHD brain, as you well know, is a complicated vessel. And what worked Monday might not work Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> That's just my, oh my God, I wrote 4,000 words yesterday. I, I can't even do an email today. <laughs> so right. it's just the way it is. Yeah. And, and even with our kids, right? We have to give them that same benefit of the doubt. Like, okay, so yesterday you were amazing and today you're not quite amazing and that's okay. Like you can't punish yourself or your kids with the A's. 
because mm-hmm. we do that, right? Like I, I was amazing yesterday or my kid was amazing yesterday. How come today is not amazing? And eventually we stop pushing for the amazing. Yeah. If we keep getting punished by it, because we start to being amazing makes us feel guilty because we can't maintain that, but we can maintain thoroughly mediocre. And so we end up being thoroughly mediocre and never pushing ourselves beyond that. Yeah. And, you know, if you want to go back to the strengths and weaknesses discussion, I, I think you, you can rise above mediocre if you're doing something you like. And if it's right. Legos or writing or you're an auto mechanic or uh, you decide you want to be an accountant, you know, we, we talked offline earlier about, you know, everything's going to be okay. And I think given the right environment and, and I, and I go, I know you and I both talk to parents that struggle with, with their children, regardless of age, they could be 10, they could be in high school. I mean, just making sure that you're doing what you can to put them in a right environment. It'll be okay. It might take till 25 or so. But. Yeah. And, and even setting realistic and reasonable expectations, you know, like if you're looking at your kid and you're like, I really want my kid to be a lawyer, but I don't think that that's going to happen. Maybe legal assistant is fine, you know, like and that it doesn't have to be a demotion or make you feel bad about it. Maybe that's just where you are. And they may, they, they may grow into it. You know, my father was probably horrified when I took my my bonds and my life insurance policy and bought an ice cream shop <laughs> because that money was for college. <laughs> right. You know, and and my father was it was an auditor. That that's what he did his whole entire career and an air force colonel. So, you know, while while we we got along and get along great, him and I had very different brains. I was a risk taker and uh, he was a guy that had a plan from day one. And, and I, I, I love him for that. <laughs> That's not me. <laughs> right. Yeah. And sometimes you have to take those, those little side steps or baby steps, you know, sometimes you have to, you have to go become the owner of an ice cream store so you can learn public relations. Sometimes you have to be a legal assistant first to find out if this is even a career you want to do. Mm-hmm. Why go to law school? and spend all that money when you don't really know what it means to be a lawyer. If you sidetrack into legal assistant for six months to a year, you're going to learn a lot of the stuff about that job that sucks. Like we talked about earlier. And so great. Now I know what sucks about this job. Can I handle that? Am I still interested? Now let me drop however many thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars it would cost to go to law school. Um, so just being mindful of time. Do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with our audience? If you're talking about an adult who also has a child that has distractions, guard your time, use it to the fullest extent. Uh, when Junior gets on the bus at 7.15, boom, I'm working. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm ready to go. I, I don't waste much time. I have my coffee at my desk. I have to because I know I have to get stuff done guard your time. Those of us who have this brain can can waste ridiculous amounts of time and maybe not even know it. So I think to guard it is is incredibly important. I mean, you've got to look at, you know, I work for myself. I've got a little flexibility. 
maybe you don't work for yourself. Maybe you, you have a job. Maybe you got to put your kid on the bus and then go drive an hour. You still have to guard your time in some way. And it sounds like you're guarding your time in two ways. One, we've sort of focused on the career side of stuff. But part of guarding your career time is it's also guarding family time, right? Like when your kid gets home, you're with him and you're not getting pulled by the emails that didn't get sent or the book that still needs to be written. So you're kind of guarding both of those categories. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, I got it for two reasons. One, because I don't like being interrupted. That's a frustration for me. So if I'm trying to do something and I get interrupted, quite frankly, I'm afraid I'll make a mistake. And if that's for a client, that's that's not something I want to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I also want to make sure that I give my son the time that he needs with us as well. It could be homework. It could be us doing whatever. So I want him to enjoy his childhood. Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, ADHDessentials.com. And visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.